Well, aloha from Maui, Hawaii, and welcome to this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. I'm your host, Michael Benner, and today we're going to finish our six-part review of the FLY program, Feeling Like Yourself. This is a core personal and spiritual development program that I taught in Los Angeles for years. Actually, I still, <laughs> I still do it occasionally over the telephone uh, as I'm in uh, Hawaii, and uh, as part of my regular counseling and coaching, I, I provide this training as well. The, the techniques are very basic and therefore very fundamental to virtually all other uh, meditation techniques, contemplation techniques, techniques of introspection, and, and also so-called self-hypnosis techniques using the law of attraction, as it's sometimes called, simply you reap what you sow, and other forms of positive mental attitude and mind science to, to, to manifest, to set a goal, to move in that direction, and to facilitate the approach to a, to a given goal. So all reasons, really, to close your eyes and relax and explore these meditative, hypnotic, altered states can be, as I often like to say, broken down into simply two categories. It's an important understanding, so forgive me if I get a little repetitious on this point. There's two reasons to close your eyes, breathe, and relax. One is to stand receptive, open and receptive to insights, to understanding, to recombinations or permutations of, of information that you already have and need to organize in a new way, or even those flashes of inspiration or perhaps revelation, these explosive epiphanies where we get all new information um, thoughts that arrive full-blown from who knows where that often come with a sense of truthfulness. Uh, I often call it a confirmation rush, you know, where the light just comes on, you get the eureka illumination, the aha experience, and you know something new. You realize something you hadn't known before. And... Uh, Again, I think this is both uh, recombinations of information you've already had from new points of view, but also you can be open and receptive to brand new information. Then the second reason to close your eyes and relax is mental rehearsal. And this is core hypnotherapy. This is used in facilitating the healing process when people have suffered emotional trauma especially that which they carry forward from childhood. This is where you visualize desired results or goals or chosen outcomes, solutions to problems. Um, and then you practice, you, you rehearse, uh, experiencing what it's like to have already attained that goal, whether it's a material possession or whether it's a, a state of understanding why you felt the way you felt when you were humiliated as a child in this case or that case. And when we revisit these childhood traumas and the false assumptions we made at the time, uh, 
From the point of view of an adult, and use the altered state of relaxation and expanded awareness to do that, it provides a quality of understanding that allows us to let go of the pain and the hurt and the fear that goes with it. It's quite remarkable. That's the whole secret, actually, of good mental and emotional health is understanding. You know, physical doctors heal with their pills and powders and potions and um you know, chiropractors do their alignment, and Reiki people project their healing energy, and and uh, the nutritionists tell us how to eat better. There's all these different approaches to physical health care. What's the secret in mental and emotional health care? Well, believe it or not, it's as simple as understanding. But again, uh, a deep and profound understanding, a a realization or a revelation. So in the last five weeks, we've talked about the FLY program, first as self-love, then as healing childhood hurt, as I've just touched on here. Third, we talked about the language of feelings and how to interpret or translate, if you will, what your emotional feelings in this moment, right now, are saying to you about you, not the person that made you feel that way. Well, what do they say about you? The feelings being evoked from you is a big part of the first half of this uh, training. Then in sessions four and five, we did problem-solving and decision-making for what are really the only two kinds of problems we could have, at least in this model. I'm not saying there are no other ways of modeling problem solving, but um, this is very much akin to what I just said about the two reasons to close your eyes, is to solve the two problems. One, I don't know what I want, and so for that we would meditate, sit open and receptive. Or, I know what I want, I know the goal or the solution, Um, I'm not sure how to get there, the strategy or the tactics within a given strategy, the how-to, the the path, the via, the ways and means, uh, so to speak. And so how to, in this case, is to organize your thinking with clear goals and use these same altered states of expanded awareness, an elevated point of view or higher consciousness to see yourself already having the, uh, the desired outcome. And during the exercise, Review session five from last week. During the exercise, you give no thought as to what it would take to get here. You just imagine, for the benefit of the subconscious mind, what here is or what there is, how to bring there to here. (laughs) You imagine already having it and allow yourself to be filled with the passion, the emotion of already having it, as if you'd taken a trip forward in time. That kind of positive thinking at these deep levels of meditation and self-hypnosis, again, contemplation, introspection, call it progressive muscular relaxation. It's the alpha brainwave state. Steve and I call it paradise thinking. There's lots of names for going to this place where your thoughts are more quiet and therefore each thought gets a greater percentage of your attention, and emotionally we're less 
upset and less disturbed, were emotionally more calm and mentally more focused in the alpha brainwave state, the paradise state. That's what that's all about. So in uh, 4 and 5, we talk about problem-solving and decision-making, what to do in each of those cases. And uh, since, you know, every time there's a 2, there's got to be a 3, right? What if we have a problem that falls between I don't know what I want on one hand and I know what I want but not how to get it on the other. In other words, what if I sort of know, kind of a little bit, sort of, maybe somewhat know what I want? Well, proceed with um, lesson number four, the problem solving. And um, when you go to use the works book technique, which is making a list and writing down the things that you want in detail. Or the second technique from lesson number four, the mirror of the mind technique, where you imagine in a mirror in your mind's eye in the alpha brainwave state, you imagine yourself, experience yourself fully, already having that desired outcome. Well, if you go to do that and you find, well, it's a little hard to write down because I don't know all that much about the goal, or you you go to visualize it in the mirror and you go, well, I, it was pretty vague. I couldn't really experience myself already having it. So then your fallback position is lesson five, uh, the decision-making. I guess I don't know what I want. At least I don't know enough of what I want. So you use the dream incubation, the glass of water technique, or the spirit guide technique that we talked about in Lesson 5. All right. I'd encourage you to review all of these. Each of these programs is a standalone program, but this series um, hangs together. And um, I'd encourage you to listen to it in order. And if you like any one of them, listen to the rest of them. Know that also, about 18 months ago, I did this review of the succession program, and so you'll find that in our archives as well. And um, this is especially for, I mean, these programs are designed to benefit anybody, you know, with like a, a bright high school kid could understand this stuff. Uh, but if you are a therapist or a counselor, a trainer, a coach, a facilitator, uh, take a good look at these techniques and how you can employ them in your practice. Because, uh, And if you ever have a question about it, you can give me a call. My phone number is all over the web, 818-569-3017. That's a 24-7 uh, voicemail service. So whether you're a counselor, a therapist, a student, um, whomever, by the way, don't hesitate to use that number if I can help you, or email me at my initials at theagelesswisdom.com. So it would be mb at theagelesswisdom.com. If you're a pro and want to know more about applying these tools in your practice, or if you're uh, a student, we're all students, um, and, and need a little guidance in that regard. Um, let me help. We're doing a lot of um, 
career counseling these days, wealth building and helping people um, turn things around instead of looking out into the world for the job that may not be coming. How to look into yourself and find the talent, the gift that you were born with. And yes, everybody has many. <laughs> there. You haven't been abandoned here. You're here for a reason, and there's something that you're supposed to do, and it includes a way to pay the bills, if only you knew yourself. And with all the get-rich-quick schemes out there and all the appeals about doing this or that to make yourself prosperous and wealthy, uh, the truth is prosperity is an attitude. And you got to get your mind and your heart straight before any system is going to work for you. So um, it starts with stress management and building self-esteem and understanding how to use these altered states. Um, we got it. We can help you with that. Groups, I'm doing seminars. I speak publicly to businesses and corporations and still do the individual work and the couple's work as well. Um, there's no reason in the world to be excited. Um, boy, isn't that a Freudian slip? There's no, <laughs> there's no reason in the world to be afraid. We can choose to be excited, is what I intended to say. Uh, yeah, things are dark. Things are difficult. But there's always an opportunity in that. And I'm one who believes very strongly that we're never given a problem it does not contain the seeds of its own solution. But the seeds are within you. They're not out there in the world. It's about knowing you and managing you and not the world around you. That's an important uh, appeal I make to you. Uh, know thyself. Uh, there's an idea that stood the test of time. huh? Know thyself. To thine own self be true. What self? You know, we're so busy judging others, we <laughs> often fail to check in to see what do I care about and why do I care. That's a big clue, by the way. Yeah. You're not what you think about so much as what you care about. So a nice little shortcut into self-exploration really begins with, hey, what do I care about? What do I love? Right? You want to know what's real? Ask yourself, what do you love? What do I love to do? What do I care about? Why? Why do I care? What can I learn about me that I am a caring person and that uh, this and this and this, well, these are things I care about. Excuse me a sec here. All right. Um, so that brings us to today and lesson number six in the six-part series, the FLY program, Feeling Like Yourself. Number six is peak performance, and I'd like to talk to you about peak performance today in three different areas. So we're going to gloss over, forgive me, but we're going to gloss over this, and hopefully you'll be intrigued by the fact that peak performance tools and techniques apply in all three of these areas, and it'll open you up to considering 
what it means to perform, and, and also how performance and practice are different. A lot of people don't even distinguish uh, a difference between practice and performance. And We're going to start in sports psychology, and then we're going to talk about accelerated learning and peak performance in academics or scholastics, and then thirdly, peak performance in healthcare. Okay, sports, scholastics, and healthcare. Three opportunities for peak performance. And that's what Lesson 6 is all about. So what is peak performance? Peak performance is a, a, a number of things, but you've got to know where the peak is in the graph. It's pretty much like a mountain. If you imagine an exaggerated mountain, uh, a very narrow upside-down V, a very tall, skinny cone. Peak performance is at the top. And on the left side of that graph going up um, is stress, uh, adversity, conflict, challenge that um, benefits us, you know, causes us to become a little more excited. Let's talk first sports psychology. Um or I suppose we could talk about any life-threatening situation. That's what sports is designed to replicate, is like war or a battle or some sort of survival thing. And uh, as we've made the world safer and safer, um, become a little more civilized. Don't get too cynical now. Uh, the truth is we've done a pretty good job of making the world generally a, a pretty safe place. Uh, sports has really um, taken the place of the especially male um, warrior kind of thing, the, the survival-based, um, if you're into yoga or the chakra systems, it would be all that first chakra, root chakra survival stuff, right? Dead or alive, food, water, shelter, basic so even more basic than sex, which is the second chakra, sex and money and power. What's more basic than that? Survival. That's that's what we're talking about. And that's what sports is designed to do is meet that need. And that's why we identify so strongly, most of us, with one particular team or a given player. Uh, oddly, I'm one of those people that enjoys a game if I if I go to a professional game or a collegiate game, uh, but I don't care that much about who wins, uh, unless it's my college, my alma mater, Michigan State. I might get a little involved emotionally then, of course. Uh, paid a lot of tuition for that degree. <laughs> as well root for those Spartans. But, uh, you know, a professional, I, I could go to the Dodger game when I lived in L.A., and... Um, if the Dodgers hit a home run, I'd cheer. And if the other team hit a home run, I'd say, "Wow, far out!" Uh, I might cheer quietly so I wouldn't, you know, incur the wrath of the fans around me. But I was just there to enjoy myself. And oh, look, somebody else hit a home run. Oh, what a great catch! Was that good for the Dodgers or bad for the Dodgers? I didn't really care, you know. A lot of people, again, it's this allegiance. It's this. Uh, Mano a mano, uh, the simulation of war. I think that that we see in the really hardcore sports enthusiast.
But the point is, whether it's war or more likely sports, uh, a, the the initial challenge, the the excitement of the game, the anxiety of the performance at hand, creates something called eustress. And the word is spelled with an E-U, and then the word stress. That prefix, E-U, pronounced eustress, it means good. It means good stress. It means stress that makes you healthy and prepares you for your performance. It's a good thing. And as it increases, you do better. The more you stress, the better you do. The more stress, the better your performance. You know, you're, you're, you, you get into the flow. You get this focus. You, your attention is so fixed and, and you so... Players will sometimes say out of their minds, okay, just so on autopilot, and that's where their 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 peak is. Musicians talk about a similar phenomena of the magic. Suddenly everything clicks, and it's like this one thing that's happening, a pretty magical thing. But there is that point of diminishing return, the peak in, in peak performance, that top of the upside-down, long, skinny cone, the peak and peak performance is also the point of diminishing return. Can you visualize that? The point beyond which you continue adding stress, like the x-axis is stress, moving to the right more and more stress. Now your performance is going down on the vertical axis, right? And this is the distress side of stress. So the left side going up to the peak is all good stress. That's you stress. But then, uh uh-oh, the harder you try, the worse you do. This has become distressful. Somebody's clutching and freezing and going into fight or flight, and they freak out and they blow it. That's the distress. That's trying too hard. So in sports, the first and most important thing that we can say about peak performance in this area, sports, is it's really a balance. It's really surfing between a little bit of stress and too much stress, finding the right amount of stress and anxiety. And to do this, we need to practice our skill. Now, there's an important distinction between practice and performance. Since we're talking sports psychology, I want to be sure and mention it. Practice is where you take chances. Practice is where you try new things. Practice is where it doesn't matter if you're good at what you do. You're playing, you're just practicing. You try a new grip, a new stance, a new move, and you need to create time in your sports life for practice, for experimenting, and for being open to change and improvement. Performance, on the other hand, is where you want to do your best. And you, of course, will decide in each situation, is this a practice session or is this performance, right? You're going to play around the golf with your uh, new girlfriend uh, or your new boyfriend, you want to impress them, 
then uh, you're probably going to go to performance. Um, as you get to know each other better, you go out and uh, practice and, and enjoy each other's company playing a game without needing to be the best you can be or better than the other person. Practice is often, for many people, um, even more important than performance. But I'd say there is, uh, for most folks, surely a time when they uh, want to be their best and to distinguish the two, to, to know the difference between practicing and performing. Practice, you get to try new things and you don't really care so much about your final score or whether you won or not as did I learn and am I improving and do I need to change more. And then performance is just focused pretty much on did I win, did I do my best, do I have the most points, did I defeat the enemy, <laughs> right? Did I slay the dragon and rescue the damsel in distress? Uh, we have a similar phenomena in uh, academics in school and also in healthcare, where a little bit of stress, eustress, is a good thing and prepares us to do better in the classroom and better in terms of natural selection and evolution and the role that illness and disease makes in building the body's immune system, making us stronger and stronger. Uh, you've got the same situation. A little bit of stress is a good thing. It promotes health. It, um, it peaks performance. It, it prepares you to do your best. and It feels exciting. It, 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 it's interesting. It, the, the difference between excitement and fear <clears throat> Is, is not all that different. You have uh, uh, weak knees, perhaps. You have uh, uh, butterflies in your stomach. You've got uh, heart palpitations and a lump in your throat. And, and maybe, uh, like Richard Nixon used to perspire on his upper lip, some people perspire uncontrollably. Uh, and pupils usually uh, dilate. And, you say, well, is that fear or is that excitement? Because it sounds like it could be either. Well, yeah, that's my that's my point. My point exactly is that fear and excitement are really the same feeling. Well, then why do we call some things fear and insist in other cases, no, no, this is excitement? What is the difference if it feels pretty much the same in the body? The difference is if you hold on to it. It's fear. You're going to report it or experience the weak knees, the butterflies in the stomach, the heart palpitations, the lump in the throat as fear. If you breathe and let go of those feelings and step forward, do it anyway, ah, those very same feelings, the weak knees, the butterflies in the stomach, <laughs> right, heart palpitations, you report that, you experience that, as excitement and enthusiasm and a sense of, oh, boy. So how do you motivate yourself when you're afraid? You let go and do it anyway. You step directly into what scares you and turn it immediately into excitement. 
Okay, letting go of fear is love in its many qualities, and in this case, certainly excitement is one of those qualities of love that we get from breathing and relaxing and and letting go. Oddly, it's the holding on. We think, well, I'm tense, I'm holding on because it feels like I'm being careful somehow, right? Well, (laughs) actually, the message to your body is you're in greater and greater and greater danger. Look, my knuckles are turning white, and uh, my hands are turning into fists here. And so, of course, you're not going to experience excitement. You're going to experience more more fear and, and more dread. This is another way of talking about the same thing, that a little bit of stress is good, but there is a point of diminishing return beyond which more stress, more stimulus, so to speak, okay, um, is going to degrade your performance. And finally, in uh, healthcare as well, so sports, uh, academics and scholastics, and healthcare as well, the idea is to surf that balance or find that peak. Use breathing and letting go to manage the anxiety and turn your fears of, in sports, losing, in school, not being able to learn or being a stupid student, or in healthcare, I'm going to get sicker and sicker, and I don't know what's going to happen to me. To turn those fears into excitement, the excitement of feeling like a winner before you've won anything in sports, the excitement of, God, I love to learn. Okay, I used to be afraid, and then I took a breath, and I let go, and I I turned it into excitement. Really, that simply with some positive mental attitude, I started thinking about what I could do, and and how every time I got an answer wrong, there was an opportunity to learn exactly what I needed to learn. Oh, Farah, it's, you know, it's not how many you get wrong, it's how many of those do you learn before you move forward, you see. That's what you study. Study what you don't know. There's no point in studying and reviewing what you already know. Hone in on the, on the stuff you don't know or the answers you get wrong in the test until you do know them. And then like a video game, on to the next level. And in healthcare, boy, you know, talk about bedside uh, manner and faith and um, the placebo effect even. The the mind-body connection is, uh, here we are in the year 2010, certainly been well established now and that your thoughts and your attitudes and your belief systems affect your health uh, is pretty much accepted. Uh, There was a book in the, uh, I think it was the late 1950s, it may have been the early 60s, uh, called Type A Behavior in Your Heart, which was at the time a radical suggestion that, that a certain personality type so-called type A people who were always in a hurry and really nervous and and were driven to produce and accomplish and get things done, people who who never seemed to have time to stop and smell the roses, they had a much higher incidence of heart disease. Um, 
Friedman and Rosenman, I think, were the names of the doctors that wrote this groundbreaking book. And I, I guess the only other area until that time where anybody thought about the attitude of the mind was stomach ulcers. People, I think, even in the 50s, understood there was an attitudinal component to ulcers, which were later found out in the 80s were actually caused by virus. Um, so, <laughs> you know, attitude's always a component in medicine, whether you're talking about virus or bacteria or injury, doesn't much matter. Uh, the better your attitude, the more positive your attitude, then the better you're going to heal. And once again, we want to find that peak, that place of elegance and grace where you can experience the stress as you feel it in your body, as it affects your mind, as it tends to stir up your emotional nature, feel it. But <clears throat> continue to breathe and relax and move directly into it, calling it excitement as you go with this can-do attitude, positive mental attitude, PMA, right? Positive mental attitude or so-called positive thinking doesn't mean that you believe everything that happens is going to be positive. It means it's your job to choose to do positive things with whatever happens. Again, your, your job is not to control the world around you, but to control your response to it. Uh, uh, it seems so obvious, and yet many people live their whole lives and never really consider, why am I so frustrated? Is it that I continue to try to control other people and I try to control the stimulus of what's happening to me? Is that why I'm so frustrated? What if I took a breath and let go, ah, right, and just sort of surf this thing and put my attention on my perception and response and control my perception and response instead of trying to control the stimulus? This is so big. This is so huge. You know, take this to your friends. This attitude alone, just this one little bit, it's, it, it's so fundamental. Again, not just to peak performance, but to so much of what constitutes personal and spiritual development. This idea that life's a two-way street. You are not a target or a victim or a mere effect of life unless you believe you are. That's the irony. <laughs> if you believe you're a victim, you create your helplessness and your victimization. Whatever your attitudes or beliefs about life, those very attitudes tend to generate evidence that you're absolutely right. So it's funny to see people that are so different all being so sure of themselves and having all this evidence that their particular worldview, their idea of reality and how things work is the one right way, and here's all the evidence, well, well, of course. But consider if, if life is essentially a self-fulfilling prophecy, and you really do tend to go where you look and get what you expect. Uh, if you really believe that reap-what-you-sow stuff, um, yeah, 
you got to consider carefully, I think, just how wide-ranging the implications are of of saying, you know, I'm going to drop back and, and manage what I do with what's done to me and initiate my response, and then I'm never going to react again. I will initiate even-tempered, well-reasoned responses. I will choose my attitude or my outlook, and I will choose my response. There's your power. Okay. And again, in this, as I was saying a few minutes ago, in these difficult times, in this difficult economy, look how easy it is to feel as if some, some weight is upon you and you're being crushed by a system that doesn't work and is grossly unjust and corrupt. And how are you going to fight that? And how are you going to find work and make money? By turning within, by turning your whole life around. And instead of seeing it merely as something that's done to you, see it as your life I'm talking about, as something that springs from you, that pours from you. Change your attitude. Think positively. Use these skills. Set aside time every day to listen to these programs, to listen to the premium shows Steve and I do at FocusedPassion.com. Listen to other audio books by by teachers in this self-help field, uh, read inspirational literature, uh, even religious literature, but especially the more inclusive and harmonious uh, spiritual development literature. Uh, so much of what religion provided in, in the last several thousand years is covered now by good mental health care. And yet there still is a role for a spiritual component. We could have the best mental and emotional um, uh, understanding of how to, how to operate, uh, the healthiest psychological views, and still we need a spiritual component as well, some way of hooking up to life itself and sensing the, the the harmony, if not the unity, sensing, yeah, yeah, sensing the harmony, if not the unity of things, ideally feeling the unity, um, seeing yourself in your enemy and the divine, the one life in all things. To see the oneness of life in all things. And then to see all things in the one is to have a complete uh, relationship with the universe. You need two definitions. You need a, a kind of a pantheistic, the one, the most high, the divine, the creator, in its creation. Right? That's generally called pantheism. Or it's found in paganism and and the religions before the prophets of the current day. And, uh, of course, when the church came along, if you were a pantheist, uh, uh, that was heresy. Um, To see God in nature, to see God in the tree, or 
or in the flower. That's still a crime. All right. The the church always likes the transcendent definition of God, if not as a separate being itself, a kind of a giant man on a cloud, nevertheless the totality of all that is. And it's not appropriate to get into the duality of that or the trinity of that today. We've done programs on that and will again. That's a fascinating part of it. But to know that there is these two parts, the the transcendent would be everything, all the forms in the one life. And you need both definitions. The the imminent, which is pantheism, the pagan idea that the creator is in its creation, and then the idea that the creation is contained within the creator would be the transcendent definition. They work together. You, you, you need both. Okay, uh, Everything is in the one, and the one is in everything. Very nice. Uh, I was... Uh, a journalist in my late 30s before I came across that. And I I thought, why didn't anybody ever tell me this? It's so obvious. Because I think a lot of people who feel a spiritual yearning um, are just embarrassed by the cartoon nature of, of, a, lot of a, a lot of religion. Um, again, the idea of God being a man on a cloud in the castle in the sky, I think, is not only insulting to a lot of spiritual people, but but a blasphemous and heretical. Um, you know, a lot of the inspired texts say we are in the image of the Creator. I, I, I've never read in any book or Bible or Gita or Upanishad or Sutra that that we then should create the Creator in our image and, and, and see God as some sort of human that could be angry or could be jealous or vengeful or or could be petitioned to intervene in a high school football game. Um, uh, this to me is is you know, it's actually blasphemous to, to to think of that way. But it's part of the transition we're in. I don't want to get too far afield, but I think culturally we're going through a very major transition where. If people are going to stay with separative religion, they're going to have to go back and read the books. And uh, right now, especially in the West, a lot of religious people claim to be religious, claim to believe that uh, they should take the Bible literally, for example. Um, But they haven't read it. They haven't looked at it. There's way too many contradictions. In fact, even... In Matthew, Christ talks about why you should not take the Bible literally, <laughs> why he teaches in parable and, and metaphor and allegory. He said, "Me, if he said basically, if I told you straight out, you wouldn't understand me. So I got to uh, spin these yarns and tell these tales. Like here, look at the mustard seed. Now, if you were like the mustard seed, you could move mountains. Um, all right, sounds like an allegory to me, right?" So this is what we do when we become more inclusive and more heart-based in our understanding of spirituality. We begin to pick and choose, to cherry-pick. Why not? To choose the bits of 
this philosophy and that religion that work for you and assemble it into uh, a belief system of your own, leaving behind the, the contradictions and the hypocrisies that, and the parts of uh, the, that that don't serve you. Uh, this need not be any kind of new world religion. This is a kind of spiritual independence. I think the age of the guru is over, and as we move into the 21st century, we'll always need good spiritual teachers. But the teacher's job will be to point out that uh, they are a student, not a guru, and the master is within each of us. Each of us has the potential within us to be a master, and that can unfold. We can promote that. So this is another kind of peak performance, isn't it? Spiritual peak performance. Again, I think the most important thing you can know about it is the points I've already made about uh, recognizing that that it is a peak, that a certain amount of stress or anxiety, of stimulus, even a lot of stimulus, uh, can help you rise to the occasion. Um, and many of the changes that happen autonomically or automatically inside your body are good. They're going to help you to be better in sports. Again, an allegory for war and survival. Also in learning, in school, at work, uh, any academic or scholastic kind of accelerated learning program, same thing. A little stress is a good thing. And again, health care. That's how we grow and get stronger. How we evolve is through adversity. But we want to manage the distress and recognize there is that peak performance means the the peak is the point of diminishing return, beyond which if you continue to suffer overstimulation, stress, as fear, as confusion, as worry, your performance will degrade. Okay, And you have to respond, in other words, with relaxation. That's how you handle If you've gone too far, past the point of a diminishing return, the body goes into fight or flight. It says, this is not a game. This is danger now. And you need to say, no, it's not danger. I'm just overstimulated. Breathe, relax, uh, let go. Remember we talked about turning fear into excitement? That's what you do. And you'll come back to that peak where you're just supercharged and just surf on the edge, right on the edge, doing your best in any one of these areas. The key is managing the stress, relaxing, feeling safe, and moving directly into what it is that you don't yet know. So in sports, it's seeing yourself doing exactly what you want to do, putting the ball exactly where you want to put it, feeling the basketball swish through the net without hitting the rim perfectly as it's coming off your fingertips. You know, When you lay the bowling ball down, you have a feeling of the fact that it's going to, almost as if it were in a groove, run right down those boards and right into the pocket uh, right where you wanted it to go. Uh, tennis, golf, whatever the game, you want to visualize in a state of relaxation your ideal outcome. Um, and again, there could be different strategies for practice and for performance. 
all ways to use relaxation and breathing and even visualization as you perform in sports, for example. And um, that would be a little bit different than the tools and techniques you use when you practice. But it varies depending on the sports. Uh, it would vary between sports and a school situation and a health care situation. But um, you have the same thing. School has its practice and its performance. And I don't know about uh, health care. I think you could make an argument for that. It's a little harder to understand. I think we're always performing <laughs> when it comes to our health care and trying to stay healthy. I don't know that you practice becoming ill, but that would be the only exception. Uh, I want to go to your questions and comments. So if you're with us here live today, obviously if you're listening to a podcast, it's too late. Uh, anytime you can join us live is wonderful. The vast majority of people that listen to the Mystery School do so with the podcast. and You can pick it up at the iTunes store at uh, any of the major podcast directories, uh, Podcast Alley, Podfeed.net, what are some others, Podcast Pickle. And let me encourage you also to leave a comment and a rating. It really drives traffic, and more people will find out about this program and tell their friends about the program. They're more likely to listen if you put a comment in there. So wherever you're picking up the podcast, next time you think of it, maybe even today, go in there and put a comment. Uh, Tell other people who might come across your comment what it is about the Mystery School that you like. Okay. Uh, Appreciate that. I really do. Okay. So if you have a question or a comment and you want to submit it by text because you're on on the web listening to the web feed, you've got a little box on the left side right in front of you. If, uh, it's not there, click on Ask a Question and it'll pop up. Uh, type it in with your name and the city and be sure and hit the Submit button. And if you're on the telephone, star 2. Once you're hooked up, you've entered the uh, conference ID and uh, you get all the audio prompts. It's real straightforward. If you want to uh, ask a question by telephone, just press star 2 a new telephone touchpad. And uh, we'll see who we have with us today. Let's go to the text questions first. And um, Carol is here. Hello, Carol. And she says, hello, Michael and Doreen. Carol's in La Habra. It's with us 99% of the time. And it's uh, good to hear from you, Carol. We miss those Sunday morning calls. And in Los Osos, Philip is with us today. Philip says, <clears throat> I, um, I bought the It Works book, and, and I am starting the list. It's a great book. He's talking about, a, well, we discussed it earlier today, but we focused in uh, last week in session number five. Or no, the week before. It's number four, isn't it? Where we talk about the problem-solving techniques of the mirror of the mind and also the list making. That's what the It Works book is. The author is R.H.J. He just uses his initials. And it's a little booklet, like 350 and 
it at Amazon. You can see it at Amazon. Or your local metaphysical bookstore usually has it. And uh, it's been around forever in a day. It Works by R.H.J. Anyway, going back to Philip's comments, he said, I realize more clearly now that I haven't had any goals or wants. I've experienced a long period of resignation and depression in my life. And at 61, I've been looking at my life and and where I'm going and what I've been doing all these years and ready myself for my present. And I'm learning more and becoming more aware by listening to your webinars. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, Philip. And um, I think that's probably true for a lot of us. You know, you get to um, different stages and phases in your life and uh, and look back from there. And it is remarkable sometimes how much we can learn, how much we realize we have learned um, inadvertently, really, just by living life, and then how much more there is to learn that we could learn if we applied ourselves to, well, we could call it learning as a lifestyle, but, you know, my bias, learning about anything is wonderful, but learning about the self is just so remarkably rewarding and so tragic, really, that Lots of folks live their whole lives and are just never interested in discovering themselves. They they just don't ask that question, what do I care about? Why do I care? Again, I, I think it may not occur to many people because they believe they have to think their way to an identity. And that if somebody says to you, how you doing? How you been? What's going on? They want to know what you've been thinking about. But it's not true. They want to know how you feel. How you feel physically, somewhat, but essentially, how do you feel emotionally? How's your life going? Well, that's where our uh, our identity is found in what we care about, in why we care in that we care at all and if you're one who doesn't care that's a something also there's a a fellow in Los Angeles a particular radio talk show host that I'll not name um, gee I don't want to disparage anybody uh, <laughs> but uh, it always irritated me because he would say on a regular basis, I don't care. You know, I don't care. Somebody would raise an objection. He'd say, yeah, but I don't care. You see, well, that's what you don't know about me. I don't care. And he wore it like a badge of honor and uh, was proud of the fact that he was an uncaring individual. And I just, that always blew my mind. Again, that's where you find identity, is in what you care about and that you care, what you love, who you love, that you love. It's no big mystery, but it is emotional intelligence. It's not not the mental intelligence so much. Roberto's with us from Oceanside. He says, hello, Michael, listening in today. Good show. Thanks a lot. 
and uh, thank you, Roberto. Uh, checking the callers, we have a couple of people online, but no hands raised at this point. So it's almost the top of the hour. Let's do our guided imagery exercise here. On peak performance, and again, the... Uh, the technique that I'm going to give you today is a technique that you can apply in sports psychology, but you can also apply the same visualization uh, technique and personal empowerment technique in uh, other areas of your life as well, like the learning we talked about, academics and scholastics, learning as a lifestyle, learning about yourself, and also healthcare. Now, you know, I haven't really dwelled upon the, I haven't focused in on either the accelerated learning or the accelerated healing today. This is sort of a peak performance is usually thought of as a sports psychology idea. I just tacked these two on the end saying <laughs> throughout the program, yeah, it's peak performance, but isn't it interesting that just like sports psychology, the same techniques and same concepts apply in learning and in, in uh, healing. I just want to say that we will do other programs on all three of these. We'll do programs on sports psychology, but uh, I also promise you many programs on accelerated learning, specific study, reading, memory, test-taking, and um, also uh, health and healing, pain control, uh, accelerated healing and pain management. Uh, we'll, we'll dedicate entire programs to that in the future. I gave my telephone number and my email address earlier. Uh, it reminds me, again, to suggest to you, if you have ideas for topics or themes, uh, somebody asked me a few months ago, would you do a program on depression? And I said, sure, I'd be, um, I'd be happy to, uh, as happy as I could be about doing a show on depression. And, uh, and I did. And on a, a couple other occasions, people have made requests, and I've done programs on those topics. So uh, if you've got some ideas, you look through the archives and you see some are missing, uh, some topic that you want to learn more about, uh, Send me a suggestion. Let me know. Email me again at uh, MB, my initials, MB, like Michael Benner, Mary Baker, at theagelesswisdom.com. MB at theagelesswisdom.com. Or uh, voicemail 24-7 is area code 818 in Los Angeles, 818 569 all right, close your eyes and relax. Get comfortable. I want you not to be rigid so much as well-balanced. Shoulders back, open up your rib cage. Take a nice, slow, deep breath. And feel the letting go as you exhale. Go beyond where you'd normally stop all the way, all the way. And then take another slow, deep breath, inhaling through the nose. Fill your lungs. Hold. 
travel as slowly as you can. Slow it all down. And after two, three, four slow, deep breaths, pulling in strength and power as you inhale, feel the letting go as you exhale, feeling safe and relaxed, and then allow your breathing to find its natural rhythm. And to slow down your thoughts and to quiet your emotions, to feel safe and undisturbed, relaxed, is a letting go feeling, as if you drop your armor, you know, lower your guard, telling yourself that. Right now, and for at least the next 10 minutes, you're safe enough to close your eyes, to take a few slow, deep breaths, and to actually feel in your body the release of tension. You can easily feel muscles relaxing and unwinding. Feel yourself softening like butter on a warm day. Yielding as if to a gentle warmth like laying on the beach. And you feel the warmth of the sun on your skin and it's not too hot at all. It's just right. you feel sort of toasty and warm but really safe and relaxed I'd like you to imagine a time in your life when you were very successful at accomplishing something it could be like sports or it could be school or it could be business it could be play or leisure time, hobby activities, a time when you succeeded, when you accomplished something, when you were victorious, when you felt like a winner. And of all the occasions that might occur to you, of all the occasions that are now bubbling up into your awareness to choose from, resist figuring it out. And imagine just letting go, taking a step back, and seeing which one of these memories stands above the rest. Which one of these incidents of victory or accomplishment or success, having really achieved something wonderful, something really cool, in any area of your life, which one of those seems to demand your attention and and rather stand above the rest, head and shoulders above the rest, and go to that memory and immerse yourself in that feeling. Remember it as if it were just yesterday. And feel in your body how it felt to go, yes, I did it. 
whatever it was, right? Maybe it was sports. Maybe it was a, uh, a particular shot that you made or a game that you won. It could be something that happened at work. It could be a relationship thing. Gosh, she really does love me. It could be any area of your life where you go, yeah. I really accomplished something. And feel in your body how that felt. Luxuriate. It's like sitting in a hot tub made out of the feelings, all warm and bubbly and soothing, that go with this feeling. Imagine luxuriating. And the wonderful feeling of success and accomplishment. As your spirit guide from the last session, lesson number five comes along with what looks like a Polaroid camera. Or if you haven't done session five and don't have a spirit guide, just imagine that a friend of yours comes along with this special camera and uh, takes your picture with this Polaroid <clears throat> as you as you luxuriate, so to speak, as you dwell in relishing this wonderful feeling. And as the picture comes out of the bottom of that Polaroid camera, you the the spirit guide or the photographer, so called hand you that picture. Now, it's more than a picture, actually. It's a frame of reference. It represents the best you've ever done in this situation in terms of your physical performance. And so you hold that picture as a representation of your ability to do your best. You hold that photo gently between the thumb and first two fingers of either hand. As you begin to consider a time, a time in your past, fairly recently or maybe some time back, when you were really clever, really smart, intelligent, creative, imaginative, and you figured something out, you solved a problem, you had some realization or inspiration that was really important and of significance. And again, of all the situations that will come to mind now as you consider a time when I was really smart, really clever, really intelligent, do as before, take a step back. Get the bigger overview and go to the one occasion, the one single occasion that seems to stand above the rest and, and rather attract your attention. And allow yourself to remember that. Let it come upon you. Feel in your body how it felt to realize or to be told that's really smart of you to figure that out. You did that was your idea? Did you realize that? Was
was that an inspiration or a deduction? Did you did you use logic or or creativity? How'd you do that? Allow yourself to feel the feelings that go with you acknowledging that yeah, that was so far out incident. That was I loved that. That I I gotta admit that felt really good. Like maybe I really am pretty smart. Feel that feeling. Again, like sitting in a hot tub luxuriate in the wonderful effervescence of this one particular time when you were head and shoulders smart, undeniably clever and witty. And here comes the little spirit guide from before with the camera or your friend that you've made up if you haven't done that technique yet. And that camera... Again, he takes a picture of you having that peak experience of being mentally really spot on. Then he hands you or she hands you that photograph that you hold with the first between the thumb and first two fingers of either hand. These two pictures are, again, more than photographs, more than pictures, they are frames of reference for these two, now, two peak performance states, a time when you were really successful in accomplishing something, and now a second time when you were really smart, really intelligent, figured it out. Hold those photos as frames of reference, as peak experience symbols. Gently in either hand. And consider now a time when you felt really loved and loving and lovable. When you really, really knew you were loved. And again, there are probably many times it'll come to mind initially, a little rush of all these different occasions and memories. Take a step back, just one step back to see the bigger picture. And go to that one occasion that you're remembering now that rather demands your attention, standing above the rest somehow. It's pulling you in and you're going now to that of all of these, these are all wonderful, but this one particular occasion now. There you go. When you really felt safe and loved. And luxuriate in this feeling. As if love were this warm effervescence. Like a jacuzzi. A hot tub, you just uh, relax and feel as if you're soaking up the love. At the same time, you're radiating love. You receive still more. And 
along comes the fellow with the Polaroid kind of a camera and takes your picture and hands you the picture as it comes out of the bottom of the camera. But like the first two, this is really much more than a photograph. This is a frame of reference for feeling loved and and loving and lovable. Really, maximum amounts of love. A frame of reference you now hold with the first two, between the thumb and first two fingers of either hand, holding these, gently holding these three frames of reference. A time that you accomplished something wonderful, you felt victorious, and as if you had really acquired or completed or succeeded in some way, along with the second picture of you being pretty brainy and pretty smart, rather intelligent, clever, witty, figuring something out of value. And the third, an occasion, a particular time, when you felt really loved and loving and lovable. Three points of view, three experiences, three recollections, three peak performance states. The best you've ever been physically, the best you've ever been mentally, the best you've ever done emotionally, held together gently as I count slowly from three to one watch these pictures three two and now as I say the number one they disappear but you know where they went they got sucked up into your body somehow all three photos frames of reference really for these three peak performance states have been absorbed by your body they are registered in every cell in your body in your brain in your heart in every cell in your body three peak performance states that you can bring to mind and access duplicate and replicate on demand even when there is no time to close your eyes and meditate simply by bringing together the thumb and first two fingers of either hand especially when you have a crisis an emergency a very important situation that's pending and you can't sit down and close your eyes you can't sit down and meditate to practice the tools and skills you've learned in this training. You need to access the alpha brainwave state on demand. You need immediately to be able to shift into the best you've ever been in all areas, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And it's effortless. It's just a matter of bringing together the thumb and first two fingers of either hand as a trigger to remind you. Like an old song on the radio brings such rich memories of times when it was a hit 
you know, they just flow. You hear that song, and here's all the memories you associated with it from now on. You have associated bringing together of the thumb and first two fingers with you being the best that you've ever been, accessing your peak performance states immediately, but simply and elegantly. Simply by bringing together the thumb and first two fingers. And the best you've ever been will immediately be available to you. You shift into peak performance, emotionally, mentally, and physically out into the world. And so it is. Take a breath to confirm that and feel as you let go. Ah, the truth of that, I did it once, I can do it again. I can bring these things together better and better every day in every way and take a moment to reorient yourself to the sound of my voice to remember where you are and what you'll see in a moment when you open your eyes wide awake and alert as you take a nice slow deep breath now fill your lungs Hold as you peak, and now as you exhale slowly, completely and fully, open your eyes wide awake and alert, feeling better than before with a full memory of what we've done. Peak performance technique. Use it. Practice it. You just keep getting better and better and better. Okay, well, uh, let me check real quickly to see if we have any last-minute questions. I don't see hands in the air. Thank you for calling, those of you who come in on the uh, on the telephone. And I'll check the text questions, see if there's anything new there. And, yeah, Virginia in Los Angeles, Virginia Menez says, Hello, Michael, wanted to... Share that this is my first participation in the live webcast. I'm going to try to talk on the phone, but it's not connecting. Uh, you've made a incredible difference in my life. Thank you. Regarding type A personality, uh, it was Ray Roseman. Friedman and Roseman, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Thanks for that, Ray Roseman. And um, I'll try to reach you by phone. Okay, not sure what the problem is, but um, play around with that. Whenever you use the telephone instead of the web feed, you have a choice of phone numbers. They give you a primary, which I think is in the 415 area code, a backup that's someplace else. But it also has a little link that says local numbers. And when you click on that, you can find an area code near you or a city near you, certainly an area code that is your area code. I think they're all represented. There's dozens of phone numbers all over the U.S. that you can use uh, to hook up. And then, when prompted by the operator on the phone, the little computer lady, you enter the conference ID, and with the pound sign, 
and that should hook you up just a matter of using any one of those phone numbers, but enter the conference ID, and that should work for you. Thanks, Virginia. Thanks for uh, participating. And I think Virginia just signed up for the, um, I believe I saw her name in our uh, Ning network. And I want to remind you, we do have a Facebook kind of a page for people who are interested in personal and spiritual development, who are, as they say, spiritual independents, mystics, spiritual but not religious, however that works, or maybe just comparative and and unitive in your approach to religion. There's no reason you couldn't have many religions. Um, Then... uh, uh, in any event, you can listen to these programs. You can share them with your friends. There was another point I was going to make. Oh, the Ning Network, and sign up for that, too. It's, uh, as I started to say, very much like uh, Facebook, but for people that are interested in this kind of um, material, self-help material. So uh, it's theagelesswisdom.ning.com, all right? Sign up, sign in, and uh, fill out your photos, your uh, profile, rather, add a photo or avatar, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. We're fairly new. There's uh, not quite 100 people on there, uh, but it's a good way to track these webinars and find out what else we're up to and what's going on. But add some pictures, add some music, uh, add some videos, uh, make some friends, chat with each other, uh, there's a blog in there, the start a discussion thread. Again, the W's dot the ageless wisdom dot Ning. That's like Nancy ING, right? Ning dot com. Very similar to our home website, which is simply the ageless wisdom dot com. The W's dot the ageless wisdom dot com. And, of course, our sister site at FocusedPassion.com. This is where we provide the premium audio feed, studio quality, a weekly premium program featuring my business partner for 35 years, Steve Snyder, and myself in an exclusive series called Finding Yourself in Paradise. You can buy individual programs for 99 cents, if you like this webinar, you'll love these programs, 99 cents. Uh, you can subscribe for 3.96 a month. You get four extra programs a year when you do that. And um, uh, less than four bucks for a program every week. Again, studio quality, good stuff. These are compelling conversations and guided meditations featuring both of us. We, we bounce off each other. I think you get more than twice as much. Uh, for less than a dollar a week. Focused Passion, it's got an ED in there, the w's.focusedpassion.com. At least get the free account, then you'll have access to the built-in audio player with six complete sample programs in it. Just leave your first name and your primary email address at focusedpassion.com, and uh, just get the free stuff for now, okay? And uh, that'll be a way that you get the newsletter also. I want to thank you for being with us today. I hope you have a wonderful 
rest of the day today, Sunday, and that it's a, a great week for you as we move on out into the summertime to June. Uh, I know there's a lot of difficult news uh, that we could be talking about. I think uh, right for now, anyway, I'd just like to let it go. Um, you and your friends, I'm sure, are talking about the uh, oil spill, talking about the uh, lack of job growth, um, the situation in the, in the, uh, the economy is not good. Um, and so all we can do is, instead of rehash it like everybody else, I think respond on a weekly basis with practical tools and techniques and empower yourself. Our newsletter is called Personal Empowerment Newsletter. And all personal growth has the added benefit of empowering you to then be of greater service to your family, to your community, to your nation and the world. It's that kind of uh, get the horse in front of the cart, physician to heal thyself, um, work on you, be the change. What did Gandhi say? Be the change you wish to see in the world. Um, it, it's no big deal to say to someone or to proclaim that you want to help other people. It's the people that take action by working on themselves so that they have more to offer other people uh, who are the people who are actually doing it. So if you're one of those that says, I'd like to help, but you never really know what to do, work on yourself. Be the best you that you can be. Join us weekly at the Ageless Wisdom for the Mystery School and uh, if you can find an extra 99 cents a week, you can get the best personal development programs on the Internet. And there's over a library of 135 programs to choose from at FocusedPassion.com. Plus, you have the good feeling of knowing you're really supporting what supports you, helping this. That, that's what all of this is built on, the newsletter, this webinar, um, the uh, articles that we have posted, the ebooks, all of that material, the Thursday night conference, the name network. Those of you who subscribe at less than $4 a month, believe it or not, are making it possible for us to do all this uh, other good service. So sign up as soon as you can at focusedpassion.com, $3.96 a month. Thanks for being with us as always. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha from Maui.